Welcome everyone to Unsafe Space. I'm your host, Carter Laren, and I'm joined by Carrie as normal. But we are Hello, all- Carter. Oh, wait a minute. I hear an advertisement in my ear, and I have no idea why. Oh, it's from my other computer. That's a great intro. Anyway, we're excited to talk to Gary Beekler today from Nerdrotic. This is take two. We totally screwed up last time. It was my fault. We had an old computer that was literally just dying in the middle of the interview, but we have a new, sparkly, shiny, brand new computer. Um, Gary's the CEO and host and founder of Nerdrotic. After founding and running the Comic Outpost, which was a comic book store in San Francisco, Gary launched the Nerdrotic Network. His channel covers the good, the bad, and the ugly from the current state of pop culture with an affinity for genre TV like Lord of the Rings, on Amazon, Doctor Who, Game of Thrones, Star Trek, The Orville, The Expanse, Westworld, The Witcher, Umbrella Academy, and The Venture Brothers. Uh, Gary is the co-host of The Inquisition, Friday Night Tights, and The Exozone. His pronouns, very important, are who, what, me? And you can follow him online at uh, nerdrotic.com. His YouTube channel is Sutra Watchtower. He's got Twitter, Nerdrotics, Parlor, Nerdrotics. We'll put all the stuff uh, below, uh, all the links below, so you can follow him there. Gary, welcome to Unsafe Space, and thank you for being patient with us. No problem. Thanks for having me. <sighs> Glad to be here. Finally, I, you know. I am so excited to finally have you on our show. And you should know, you've been a very requested guest. And there's a ton of people in the chat already, I can see, who are fans of yours because they're all saying hail. Which... hail. What is yes. that? <laughs> <laughs> hail actually comes from, uh, I would say, Doomcock. Uh, a good friend of mine, Overlord DVD, he's a YouTuber, and when he started, he did his future ruler of Earth thing, and everybody started going hail Doomcock, and then it just kind of spread throughout uh, everyone who u- uses the hashtag, the fandom menace, it's kind of our thing, so when somebody comes on, we just go nice. hail, and I'm sure it triggers a few people too, that's exactly why we that's say That's always it. an extra good so, reason. Hail everyone in the chat. Yeah. So for the people who are not familiar with Nerdrotic, though, and are not familiar with you, because I know there are a few, um, where we left off, where we started when we tried this the first time, was I wanted just to give people an introduction to who you are, like, what is your story, and what's Nerdrotic? How did you start this? How did you come to start this podcast? Oh, my God. Do you have... Uh, how long do we have? All day. Uh, I'll try to do the very short... <laughs> Cliff Notes version. I love that. Yeah, I'm a CEO. So what, Blake St. Clair? <laughs> just, I'm just looking at the chat. It's great. Uh, okay. So um, uh, my life. Uh, I, I, uh, I'm just a blue collar guy. So uh, I'm sober. I'm a sober dad. I've got kids. I'm not going to go into the past part of my life. Uh, yeah, I just used, I used to work in auto parts. And one day when I was working in Oakland, uh, Oakland Acura, I saw a little ad in the paper said, hey, you want to buy a comic collection? And I'm like, yeah, because I always wanted to buy a comic store in retirement, right? So I went, checked out this guy. Yes, they used to put ads in the paper. And I met this guy and uh, he followed. He's in our chats to this day, which is pretty funny. Um, that uh, when I was buying the collection, it was from another store. And he's all, hey, if you're interested in buying a store, the store you shop at is for sale. I'm all, okay, well, why not? So I asked the shop owner, uh, you know, how much 
for the shop. We, we agreed on a deal. And within a week, I quit my job, quit my, which I liked. I liked the job. And uh, I read a book, Small Business for Dummies, and I was a comic <laughs> shop owner. And I did that for 10 years in San Francisco. And it was crazy and it was fun. And it was everything I wanted to do. And I was immersed in the one thing I loved. And I got to talk to uh, nerds. I'm a lifelong nerd. Uh, I've been, uh, I learned to read from comic books. Uh, my life was changed by Star Wars. I know there's people out there who probably still haven't seen it, but it was more than just a movie to me. It was, uh, it, it, uh, it was a, a start of a movement, really. Uh, I was watching Star Trek from, for as long as I could remember the 66 Batman series, the 50, the 50s Superman series. So that just kind of set me on my path of being a lifelong nerd. It sucked being a nerd when you were in elementary school and junior high because you got a lot of crap. Uh, it's not like now. And uh, to work professionally in it was great. Got to travel, got to meet a lot of people. Uh, but then it uh, affected my sobriety uh, in a very harsh way. And uh, all the accolades, all the fun meetings, uh, which was very important to me because, uh, you know, I, I had been sober before. You know, I had a horrible drug addiction in my teenage years, got out of it. Uh, you know, got married, divorced, uh, and then that's what led me up to the comic store. And it, it all started going to my head, and it it made me fall off the wagon, which forced me to sell the comic store. It didn't. I didn't want to. I was going to shut it down, and somebody came in and offered to buy it. And I said, sure, at least it's still there for the customers. Uh, mm-hmm. And I had to rebuild my life again. Uh, so at that point, I was on, like, I went from... In 2009, I had uh, the best of the bay. My shop was voted best of the bay by the customers. It was on top of the world. Three years later, uh, you know, after the recession hit, I was, uh, you know, kind of at rock bottom. My marriage was pretty damn close to over. I uh, wasn't going to see my kids for a long, long time. So I decided to clean up. I went to a sober living environment. Uh, and while I was at this sober living environment, I started a podcast just for something fun to do. You know, I just needed something to do that wasn't thinking about rebuilding my life and just so I could forget about it for a couple of hours. So me and a friend of mine uh, recorded a podcast in a Starbucks at West Portal in San Francisco. <laughs> and that was our first podcast. And it sounded terrible. Uh, <laughs> a guy bought us a coffee. and <laughs> We talked about Green Arrow for a couple of uh, about an hour. And uh, and I had no idea what that was going to start. Now, I had podcasted before at the comic store a little bit, just playing around with it. Uh, but this, I, I liked it so much. We started doing it like once a month, right? While I was going through, going to meetings and uh, trying to find new work. And I ended up, you know, going back into the blue collar work of uh, auto parts and stuff. And then, you know, but I kept doing this podcast because it was fun. Nobody was listening. It was on <laughs> iTunes. And I had a website, the nerderotic.com was born in 2014 and maybe my sister was listening at the time and my co-host friends were, but we kept doing it cause it was fun. We had no idea if anybody was listening for three years probably, but we just did it, you know, once a week that turned into twice a month and it turned into once a week. Because started, you loved it. I loved it. It was so much fun. And that, that, you know, I could talk about nerd stuff all day, all night, never shut up about it. Uh, we started doing a regular Friday night show uh i named it friday night tights again when it started you know it was uh we i started backing stuff up on youtube 
but I never thought much of it for uh, uh, about two years. And then I started reviewing television shows. I started with Westworld and uh, Ash versus Evil Dead um, and uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, and we, we would just go live after the show aired. We'd get like five or six people in our live stream. And, and for a while, we didn't even know that there was a chat. I didn't know there was a chat. Somebody had to email me and go, you know, there's people actually <laughs> watching you. <laughs> and I'm like, what? What's that? Uh, and yeah. We just so we had just, someone yesterday tell uh, one of my friends was like, hey, I became uh, a member on your YouTube page. And I'm like, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> yep. All kinds of things happen. And we just find out through our uh, our listeners. And yeah, so once we figured out we had a chat, we had a good community of people of five or six people who would come and watch our reviews. And they're really nice. Uh, and I and I rode the fence. I I, start, I started seeing problems in comic books and in television probably around 2007 in the comic books. Not in television, but in comic books. I started to seeing stuff that was annoying me. So it wasn't like, like outright, you know, but SJW stuff. It started creeping in. Was uh, that was that sort of your first? introduction i know we talked about this on your show on friday night tights but was that your first introduction to wokeness was in was seeing it change comics uh it i wouldn't say it turned it didn't blow my mind at that point it didn't you know i it just started annoying me it was being an annoyance my awakening was with uh was was later about a year later mm-hmm uh, but you know, at the comic store, it was just annoying stuff, but I saw the crowd that would eventually come in and infiltrate comic comics. I saw them there and I never thought for a million years that they would take over comics. So I, I was, I didn't feel threatened by them or anything. I just knew they were there and it's, uh, uh, they used to, there's a, there was a comic sh- uh, show called the alternative press expo. It's called ape. Uh, they held it every year in San Francisco. It's own, it was owned by com- the people who do comic con. And it's all of those people, and they hate superhero comics, and they hate anything traditional, but they were fine in their own little space right there. It, they were harmless. So I would go mm-hmm. to this, and I would cavort with them because, like, you know, at, I'm not a super – I'm not a right-left guy. I, I'm not a political guy. I'm pretty much always been a centrist or, or just uh, independent. I do my own thing. So it never bothered me much, but it started getting into mainstream comics more and more and more, and by – uh, 2013, when I sold my shop, if I didn't, you know, I had a lot of personal stuff going on, but I, it, it started getting pretty bad. Mm-hmm. So when I started the podcast, I was just doing the TV stuff. And then I was, you know, it's been a couple of years and I'm like, all right, I'm going to start moving towards owning a comic shop again. I had a five year non-compete in San Francisco, so I couldn't open one in the city of San Francisco, but I'm like, ah, you know, I've got three years to work on this, so I'm going to work on it. I went to YouTube and I'm like, and after I sold the comic shop, I had stopped reading comics uh, for a year. Right. So I kept reading them for a little while. Why was that? Was it? I, I needed to focus on my life. uh, And it was when I was reading comics, it was, it was honestly, it was too hard. It was reminding me of the shop. It was, it's like a horrible breakup when you, when you uh, sell a business, it's like losing a family member. So it was just too difficult. So I'm like, I don't need anything difficult because I'm, you know, I'm sober again and I need to focus on that. So I'm going to stop reading comics for a year. I'll just come back in a year. It's no big deal. It's like a soap opera. You'll pick up and you won't miss anything. Uh, Somebody will die. Somebody get re re, you know, resurrected. Uh, it, it just always happens that way. 
So I'm going to like, oh, I need a refresher. I went to YouTube and I searched for, you know, some channels to kind of get updated on comics. And I found this guy, uh, Diversity in Comics. And uh, Jeff from More Cl Class Bullshitters, they both have put out videos. Uh, uh, Diversity in Comics was every uh, Captain Marvel is everything wrong with Marvel. And Jeff's at World Class Bullshitters was... Uh, Marvel is literally begging you to buy their comics. And I had, you know, I took a year off and I come back and I'm like, oh my God, what is going on? And I went down that rabbit hole and I saw the birth of SJW Marvel. I'm like, oh no, no, no. Uh, and, you know, I didn't want to get involved at first because professionally I knew some of these people. So I, yeah. I still wanted to keep my professional contacts. As time went on, that mattered a lot less to me. Uh, it just I'm did. very... I'm very familiar with this. Yes. This it, path. The, and you, when you see your professional contacts treating customers like crap, people mm -hmm. I talk to every day, uh, and seeing them treat them like crap on, on Twitter, I just felt, uh, I didn't feel the need to stay in contact with these people anymore. I was just like, uh, I, I don't know what's happened to my industry. And this was years ago. It's fallen apart now. And we all saw it coming. So I just continued, you know, working on my job and doing the podcast thing. I started reviewing more TV and then, you know, I cover Star Trek, got a little boost from the channel. You know, it got me up to about a thousand subs. Uh, and then, and that was right at the end of, uh, I believe 2017, I hit a thousand subs. And then towards the end of 2018, I started covering more shows, the expanse, I get a little boost. And then I, you know, started covering Doctor Who. Doctor Who uh, changed gender uh, from a, a male to a female. Uh, and I'm a huge fan of the show. And at the time, I'm like, I'm just not going to watch it anymore. I'm done. And one of my uh, one of my mods had talked me into covering the show. So I covered <laughs> the show. I was, and, and I gave it a chance. I tried to give it a chance. And it was garbage from the start. And I just said it. I'm like, this is terrible this is the worst thing i've ever seen the only reason they did this was just to change the gender it's just all sjw it's all filled with agenda intersectional feminism i was getting killed uh on these things and i didn't know how to react to that uh, so my the best reaction was not to care i just like i don't care i you know because the channel was fun and i'm like if it goes down in flames great but it just blew up after that because and, you were speaking truth yes <laughs> Yes. And not and not caring. I truly believe that's a kind of a, a secret formula that people don't understand is you can't have I, I don't I don't I think it's hard to be um, successful at something when your priorities are out of whack. And I mean, not that people can't do it, but a lot of times, you know, when you look at someone who breaks through like your show has or people, people want to know, um, you know, how did they get there? How did that break through? I remember in podcasting when I was working in comedy, one of the first ones that really started to gain a following and, and to make a lot of money was Mark Maron, comedian. He started doing uh, WTF with Mark Maron. And then a lot of the comedians I was working with, some of them would say things like, you know, I need to make money. I need to get my name out there. I'm going to start a podcast. And I'm like, hmm. I don't know if you're going to make money immediately and get your name out there. You you start the podcast because you love it. And you say what you want, you say what you truly believe because you love it and not because you're you can't be uh 
I, I, I don't know. Let me just ask you if you if you had been afraid to speak your true opinions about Doctor Who, do you think your show would be where it's at right now? No, absolutely not. I think that's the biggest problem with with commentary and reviews right now is people can tell when you're holding back and you're uh, the, the audience is incredibly smart. One of the biggest problems with some, uh, especially the access media outlets, is they believe the audience is a bunch of idiots. Uh, and it's to the contrary. They can sniff out BS quicker than I can. And, uh, that's the, and, and when you treat them that they can sense it when you treat them that way. And the reason there was such a huge boom on YouTube was because it was of a massive whole vacuum left by, by media who were closing down comment sections, calling people, uh, Yahtzees, phobes, all that stuff was going on and they had nowhere to go. So we went to each other cause you know, I'm just a fan I don't, and uh, a lot of the access media, they like to call themselves journalists when they just copy and paste <laughs> other people's articles and maybe add a little flair to it. Uh, you're not a journalist, by the way. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So I think if you're reviewing television and you're commenting on news, you need to be honest and not worry about pissing off a movie star or a company. Uh, that's the the last thing I'm worried about. I, I don't want, I want, I don't ever want to work in Hollywood. I don't ever want to work with people in Hollywood. I don't ever want to work for a corporation in Hollywood. I am fine where I am right now. I don't need to do anything more than this. And if the money stops, I'm still going to do it. I don't care because it's fun. I'll just get a job. Uh, you know, I'm not going to stop doing this. Uh, and I think that's the most important part. Uh, if you're doing like, if you're a YouTube channel and you're like, uh, you know, Star Wars theory out there, he does lore videos. I mean, that, that, then fine. I get it. You don't want to get involved in, uh, in the cultural fight. But if you're commenting on anything these days, you're in it whether you like it or not. And uh, people come to get your opinion, whatever side you're on. Uh, and that side is usually, that side's my side, by the way. And, you know, I, I, you know, I also watched other YouTubers and learned from them. Instead of, uh, you see so much jealous and envy out there. There's so much inspiration out there. There's so many great YouTubers you can learn from. It doesn't matter if they have five subs or a million. Uh, I get inspired by channels. I watch their, I, I watch live streams with 15 people in them. That's, that's what I, they're really entertaining. Uh, there's a lot of fun people in our sphere. We have a little corner on the internet and it's, it's tiny, you know, we're, we're nobody has a million. So well, the quartering does now, but nobody <laughs> has a million subs and, uh, we're all very, but we're always talking to each other and it's not, uh, we most definitely do not agree on everything. Uh, but ultimately we agree, we agree on respecting the fan and, uh, you know what, and respecting what came before. And we see the cultural vandalism that has been going on, uh, with, and, and that's a term, you know, I learned from the, the great Dave Cullen. Uh, and I've been inspired by Jeremy from geeks and gamers like Jeff at world-class bullshitters, uh, Ethan Van Skyver, all these channels out there that have paved the way. Uh, Richard Meyer at Diversity in Comics, who went through the ringer because he criticized some comic books and was called the worst things in the world, painted to be, uh, you know, a Yahtzee. I call them Yahtzees. It's YouTube mm -hmm. speak. But you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> and I, you know, I was there in the chats when all of this went down and it's been an evolution and it hasn't stopped. People kind of just thought it would be this thing that went away. No, it's been reinvigorated now over the last uh, couple of weeks and it's because of this cultural vandalism 
And we have been painted. We, you know, people in my chats, people in my comment section, people who have been on my live streams, I'm sure you have dealt with plenty of this, uh, that you are painted uh, because you have a difference of opinion. You are a Yahtzee, you are an ist or a phobe, and you should just be shut down and nobody should, you know, even listen. And I've had people from from Hollywood reach out and 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 say, I can't say anything, but I like what you're doing because we yeah. need the discourse. We need to have this discourse or we go to a very bad place. And well, look where we are, you know, because they were shutting down discourse everywhere. And I was hoping to shut it down in entertainment when it's just really light discussion. And hopefully this didn't bleed into the real stuff, but unfortunately it did. And here we are. Uh, and you know, it, you're, you're seeing people, what they would do is they would take, listen, the people, some people who use the hashtag, the Phantom Menace can be jerks. They go out there, they attack people. I don't condone that. I don't at movie stars. I don't at companies. Uh, I, I'm not down with that. Speak your mind all day long, but, you know, try to keep it to the big boys at least and not just, you know, regular fans. Uh, if a fan likes something, leave them alone. That's kind of my attitude. Uh, but they conflate us with the worst of us. And yeah. uh, that's what happens. And then we all get put into this group. It ends up being counterintuitive, you know, and then we get labeled and then dismissed. And it's very easy to do. If you just repeat the lie over and over again, we, we uh, you know, if any of us talk, anytime somebody talks to one of us, there is somebody on Twitter saying you are talking to somebody on the alt-right or some garbage like yeah. that. You they know. call us that too, and yep. and they they don't care about. Uh, I mean, the fact that Carter is an anarcho capitalist. <laughs> and no one cares about I'm that. I'm a right? liberal. <laughs> no, <laughs> it doesn't matter. We all you all get called alt right is what we found. Yeah. Um, Can I ask you a question, Gary? Yeah. Do you think that I mean part of the part of it yeah. is they've set up this culture of intimidation, right? It's not just vandalism, but there's also a gangster mentality where um, you are there's legitimate reasons to be afraid of your peer group and people around you and how they'll react because there, there has, you know, the, the radical, I'll call them the radical left or whatever, the woke crowd, the social justice crowd has set up this sort of um, just cultural intimidation um, to fall in line. Do you think there's a reason why they, you know, you said you were hoping it wouldn't metastasize out of the arts do you think there's a reason why it started in the arts in the first place? And maybe that actually is inevitable. Oh, yes. Uh, <clears throat> I saw it on somebody. Somebody tweeted at me and I saw it on their header. And there's some Portland school that has this at their school. It's if you want to, and I'm paraphrasing here. If you want to change a society, change what's popular in their culture first. And that's exactly what you, that's how you, you, you know, we, we are all addicted to pop culture, sports, uh, mainstream media, but it's all entertainment. It really is. And all scripted. And if you get to that first, it's very easy to get to people. Uh, and that's exactly what they've done. They've infiltrated every aspect of it. And, you know, I, I can't say if it's, uh, coordinated by uh some mastermind you know with the puppet strings probably but you know or yeah. it's just a bunch of like-minded people who uh, you know got in there and got rid of all the dissenting voices or any dissenting voices that are still there like you said are too afraid to speak up uh, and that's been the problem the people who have been too afraid to speak up that's what 
perpetuated this. And now we have people who do speak up and uh, we, we can, we're trying to, you know, I try to recruit more and more people every day. I know like YouTube, you know, people want to say it's crap right now and whatever, that's fine. Still get on it because that's exactly what they did. They went into Marvel comics, for example, and they hate everything about superheroes, but they got in there to change it and, uh, they did. So why can't we do the same? Yeah. And you just, and sometimes you got to play by the rules before you want to change them. And some of these rules suck and you got to work around them and be smart. Uh, but I think the only way you stay effective is by staying here. Uh, and hopefully, and then someday maybe another platform gets built, uh, by some, you know, I don't know, based billionaire. I don't know if there is one, <laughs> but, uh, uh, that's what it's going to take. And then in the meantime, we still got to do this. And I, First and foremost, I'm having fun. I'm like having so much fun doing this. It's not like this grind or anything. I love doing it. And I think it's fun. And e even when we have like days like today. But um, no, I think I think this is the best place to be for it right now. So if more people want to start a channel for fun, for a hobby, it's not going to pay you right away and it might not take off. Go ahead and do it because we need more common sense out here. And it, we need to infiltrate these places with common sense. Well, yeah. fun in and of itself is, what is, is uh, fun is is a an offensive thing to be having in front of the social justice left. Mm -hmm. So even if all you do is demonstrate that it's possible to actually enjoy comics and science fiction uh, for something other than the moral statements that they're trying to make or some sort of propagandist agenda, but you can just enjoy the stories and the heroes, uh, that alone is subversive. Yeah, that's that's e that's exercising your privilege, guys. Um, mm -hmm. I was going to ask you, what is uh, well, first, I was going to ask you, what's one of your favorite um, uh, either either television shows or um, or comic book series that that has been tainted by wokeness? But it sounds like it might be Doctor Who. And I'll let you answer that, though. And then but and then my second question is, what's something new that you uh, appreciate that is not tainted or not tainted very much? Like what is, what do we have currently that you're watching that you would recommend? Uh, Doctor Who is by far the worst uh, intellectual property that has been tainted by wokeness. Uh, there, you know, there's Star Trek, there's Star Wars, Marvel Comics, DC Comics. They've all had their fair share. But uh, as far as like just taking one character and flushing it down the toilet for wokeness, that's that was that's Doctor Who. Uh, and something that I enjoyed reading comic books just in general, like any comic book, uh, what they've done to Batman is criminal. <laughs> it's criminal what they've done to Batman. Uh, and they, they had him stood up at a wedding and fawning for Catwoman and basically, um, I mean, cutting his balls off for lack of a better term. Yeah. It's terrible what they've done to Batman. This guy named Tom King he used to be, he used to be in the CIA and now he writes for comic books. Oh, uh, great. <clears throat> uh, yeah. No, no. But my question is, is there anything currently being put out in the mainstream that's not woke that you would suggest? Like I've been watching, I saw, um, as who, was on your show with me, Friday Night Tights, mentioned that he finally watched Cobra Kai. And and I I would say that's a show that uh, I really enjoyed, and I don't think it's tainted very much by wokeness. Are there other properties out there right now that seem to be going against the cultural grain? Not many. 
Uh, Cobra Kai is most definitely one of them. They'll even clown it at times. Uh, but it depends on who you talk to on that one. Cause I think people have been pounded over the head with wokeness for so long. They're just, they've lost their tolerance for even the slightest amount. And I get that. Uh, I really like the expanse. It's a sci-fi show. Some people accuse it of being woke and the writers of the books most certainly are. <laughs> Don't follow them on Twitter. Uh, but as far as the show is concerned, they've kept that out of there and it's just, it's a hardcore, cool, well-written sci-fi show. It's brilliant. Uh, so Cobra Kai and the expanse are probably the best two things out there. Uh, if the Seth MacFarlane's the Orville comes back, it's pretty fun. Uh, but some people don't like Seth too. Uh, and you know, but it's far and few between it really Mm -hmm. is, you know, um, even even the Joker, which was universally loved by some, most people, it, it had his messaging in there. It just wasn't, you know, it just depends on how it's presented. I, I'm fine with good writing if a, an idea is presented within a narrative uh, and that's it. I mean, it's just part of the story. But you can tell now when these, th- these things are being used as platforms. They've come out and said it. Uh, and we suspected it for a long, long time, but the creator of Star Trek, uses Star Trek as a platform now. They actually use the cast to influence the vote in Georgia. They used Star Trek. What? To, I don't yeah. I don't know about this. Yeah, they took the cast down there to do some live stream to get get the vote out in Georgia. Uh, and that's despicable. I think uh, Star Trek is something that's just supposed to bring people together. It's not supposed to be used to influence a vote. Doctor Who now is created to create or now it's made to create conversations, not just entertain people. And it used to be that's what these shows were that you can. Um, that, I always talked about this in the comic shop. I'd have people on the left and hardcore people on the right just sitting there talking about comics. And if they I'd sit there, I watched my father, my my late father in law with my good friend who's a uber li- uber liberal. I'm like, if those two were talking about politics right now, they'd be screaming at each other. But they were sitting there talking about comic books they used to read and focusing on the stuff in common. We can't even get to this point right now. That's uh, interesting because I yeah. think the same things happen to sports. Yep. You know, well, yeah. it used to be this thing where you could come together. It's not about your different political opinions or policy positions. And it's become so tainted now with politics that people are not able to come together even to celebrate. You know, we have this team in common and people aren't going to games anymore. And it's it's almost like they're, uh, yeah, I don't think there's some mastermind twiddling his mustache planning all this, but the way in which it operates is such that it is, is directly targeting and uh, sort of taking out the, the, the things that bring us together, the things that give us amusement and the things that bring us together. Yeah. Mike Carter said amusement right now is, is a, is a tool of the patriarchy and you, you should not have well, fun. It's your privilege. You should be feeling yeah, guilty. You, you should, if you, yeah. if you can have fun, that means you have some sort of privilege and, and privilege is a word that's chosen to make it seem like um, you are it's it's something above and beyond the norm. It's something extra from what should be expected, where in fact, you know, when in fact having fun should be considered the norm. If you're unable to have fun, you're disadvantaged. You're not privileged for having fun. You're normal for being able to have fun. Um, but they've chosen that language uh, precisely. I, I think one of the things part of the culture war, I think, is to 
find the people you want to attack and deny them any enjoyment of life because that's really demoralizing. Um, I, I, I don't want to switch topics too much, but you, you brought this up earlier, and I'm curious about it because I really loved Star Wars as a kid. You said Star Wars changed your life. That's a statement and a half. Uh, can you can you elaborate on that a little bit? Because I'm really curious about that. Yeah. Uh, well, when I saw it, I mean, I was too young to really understand like how much. But when I saw, I, I'll never, I for, I remember it vividly. Uh, that first, just the opening moments of the of the movie and the crowd and what I was seeing, and it just spoke to me. I'm like. And I, I, there's probably millions of people out there who could say the same, but it spoke to me. It was like, this feels like home. That's what it felt like. I felt like such a weird, strange kid. And I see this place and it just took me away. And I wanted to know everything about it and became obsessed about it, read everything I could. I was uh, stayed on top of the news, which it got me more curious. I'm like, how do I find out news about this thing I like? And I started going to the newsstands and asking the guys there, have you ever heard of this thing called Star Wars? Is there any magazines on it? Can I read more about it? Uh, but it really, um, and, and it was, it was a place to, to a place to go when I was having uh, hard times. I, I, I mean, I don't want to get uber details here, but I had a, a, a pretty rough uh, childhood, uh, not for my parents. My parents were, they did the best they could, but I had a pretty rough childhood and it was a place to go to escape too. I mean, that was a place where I could, that was, it was almost, it was a coping mechanism, right? So was there too. So it was the escapism part. And plus I just, I, I loved everything about science fiction. I st- and it opened the door to, for me reading new books and reading new comics. And, uh, you know, there was a time when I was 12, I could name everybody who worked on that movie. Uh, wow. you know, I, I just, everybody in the credits, I, I knew their names, like they were rock stars. They would, they, they were the, that was the Beatles to me. And George Lucas was God, you know, and Steven Spielberg. And, uh, and then I got into Raiders of the Lost Ark. It was just the perfect age, uh, you know, being like seven to 14 in the late seventies and early eighties for film was, was perfect. Uh, we had some of the best movies come out and it was a revolutionary time. And that's when stuff was fun. Stuff was yeah. just fun. So assuming that we share the Do premise have... that Star Trek has fallen apart or Star Wars has fallen apart, um, is, is it because it's been infiltrated by people with an agenda or is it just incompetence? Because it seems like it just kind of started to fall apart way, way before the woke stuff metastasized. It's both. It was incompetent wokeness. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy whose name has been associated with all those things we used to love. Uh, and I used to look at her with great respect and thought she was perfect for the job. When I heard, turns out that's not the case. Turns out she wasn't that great. She was attached to a lot of great people and she just thought star Wars could just print money. Didn't really matter how much you put into it, but it's really important that we change it fundamentally, fundamentally because it's too white and and then coming out and saying things like that and saying the force is female instead of just doing that thing uh what disney should have done and you know hindsight's 2020 but what they should have done is bought the property and thought about it for a couple of years sat there and just thought about it like what should we do but they rushed into everything they had that deal with mark hamill and harrison ford and carrie fisher 
but I mean, pure incompetence by not putting Luke Skywalker in the first film and not putting Han, Luke and Leia together in the first film. That's the, that's the biggest mistake in cinematic history. It's the biggest gaffe ever. I mean, it's just ridiculously stupid not to do that. And they did it as clickbait, basically. They wanted to spread the characters out throughout uh, so to make sure you went to all three movies because, you know, they had to know they had some turds on their hand because they didn't plan. And we know that because one of the stars of the film said they didn't have a plan. I didn't well, realize the force was gendered. Thanks for letting me know. Yeah, it is. It is. No, it's changing every day now. Now you can control of uh, people are fighting for the control of the force. That was from the. You know, they just Star Wars just had a bunch of goodwill recently with the return of Luke Skywalker at the end of the Mandalorian or the CGI Luke. And they had to put minimal effort to finally give the fans what they want, what they wanted years ago. And there was an outcry. And I think that a lot of that was a bunch of a lot of pent up emotion this year. There's a lot of factors that went into it was just a good moment. I, I didn't feel any emotion. My emotional connection to Star Wars has been severed. And remember, this is the thing that changed my yeah. life. And I loved it all my life. And now I just don't care about it anymore. That's what Disney and Kathleen Kennedy, Pablo Hidalgo and the idiots over there did. But um, but it was a good moment for a lot of people. And then yesterday they announced this new project, which is this cross publishing thing called the High Republic. And it is just the woke. It's the snowflake and safe space of Star Wars. <sighs> uh. It's the wokest thing ever. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I put some stuff on Twitter, but they uh, we have our first Jedi hairdresser. It's it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. <clears throat> I I have a question. So when you're talking about what it was like with entertainment choices in the '80s, and and I I too remember I I wasn't Star Wars didn't change my life, but I do remember uh, movies uh, movies in particular being much more enjoyable back then without all this heavy ideology being rammed down our throats and uh, kind of nostalgic for that time. And, and this year during lockdowns uh, I've watched a lot of old eighties comedies, you know, I'm enjoying getting out the old, uh, like uh, uh, overboard with, with Goldie Hawn and, and Kurt Russell and movies like that. What, um, what are your kids? What are your, how old are your kids? They're old now. I got a 15-year-old and a 24-year-old. Oh, okay. Well, maybe this question won't apply, but I was going to ask, like, what is it? What is there for kids to enjoy these days? It's not lecturing to them. Not much. Uh, <laughs> uh, YouTube. I, I think that's what uh, parents have to deal with is kids are on YouTube a lot and gaming. It, it, the, the entertainment industry is getting... and. Okay, so gaming is soundly defeating Hollywood. It's uh, it's a multi, multi, multi billion dollar industry. Hollywood collectively doesn't. It, it's a fraction of what gaming is doing right now. Wow. And yeah, and they've lost that demographic, that key demographic of the eighteen to forty nine boys, and that's why uh, one of the reasons Hollywood went so hard over the last five years into uh, into just trying to get more women into the movie theaters and more women reading comic books and stuff that used to be traditionally for boys because the boys they perceived the boys were leaving because they were just gaming uh now that's it's just a false perception it yeah it was eroding but your core audience was still boys and and what women were there were there anyway they liked it anyway uh especially with like doctor who doctor who had a huge female audience 
I was a big Doctor Who fan. Yep. Yep. They didn't need to do what they did. Uh, and and they, but it that's, this is when, it was over the last five years when agenda became more important than making money. It's like, no, no. But that, and that's what the whole platform thing and the whole Silicon Valley attitude of we're making the world a better place with a Doctor Who episode. It's like, get real. But they, they want to believe that. Their, their importance. Uh, and that's kind of what led to that. And the gaming's at fault because gaming did attract that core audience and, and, you know, publishing and television, they, they're, you know, their demise is coming due to that because it's, it's interactive. It's interactive entertainment. You cannot compete with that. And with how great some of the games are, some of them are duds. Some of them have problems. Gamers are gamers because they're a bunch, you know, that's a bunch of dudes. And, uh, you know, we talk to each other different than, uh, and that's, you know, what, what some people might consider abuse is actually in a term of endearment. Usually it's, it's what they would call locker room talk. That's just how guys talk to each other. And we have this new generation that can't handle any of that. I, I mean, and it, we can go down the rot line why, why that's the case. But I think a lot of it has been, We've been in a very comfortable country. There hasn't been a lot of strife until recently. Uh, and a lot of people took a lot of stuff for granted. Uh, but but entertainment took a hard swing in the wrong direction. They read the tea leaves wrong. I don't know. I don't know what. But they uh, uh, the weirdest thing, what they are doing, is they continue to do it. Like Doctor Who, clear failure. Been a failure for three years now. But they're still going to make more of it. Star Trek has been a clear failure you're not succeeding if your audience, if even half, if you half your audience is pissed, you're not succeeding. That's not, you, you, you want to sell your thing to the most people possible. You don't want them fighting. You don't, uh, you sure it creates clicks and a bunch of attention, but does it actually equate to selling things? No, it does not. And it ends up destroying it. And look at where we're at, you know, with comic book, the punk comic book industry is falling apart and, you know, genre will be not far behind. Star Trek Doctor Who will not be far behind. That stuff's expensive and they can't keep funneling money into stuff that's not successful, but they continue to do it. And that's the, the thing I don't have an answer for. I, I wish I did. I, I think it's um, we talked about this a little bit on your show, but it's I think it's hard for people to understand when that a company that's not interested in profits when they get to a point where the ideology has converged to such a degree that so many people in powerful positions are now beholden to the belief system, whether they're true believers or not, but they're speaking it and they're beholden to it, uh, it becomes paramount. It's more important than anything else. And I think maybe, unfortunately, what's going to have to happen is like the. It sounds like a lot of these properties are going to are going to crash eventually. You know, there's only so long that can keep putting out seasons of Doctor Who that nobody's watching. But I'm not sure a lot of executives uh, have an incentive to really care about that because they're they're paid well enough and they can drive the business into the ground and jump ship if they need to beforehand. And so there's not really uh, um, I, I would say there's a moral hazard here because they don't suffer the consequences of destroying Star Trek, for example. They don't you can you can be an executive in charge of making really bad decisions and personally it doesn't really matter if you run that franchise into the ground to you. It doesn't affect your career. You just jump to the next thing or do whatever. And um, so, and, and I think this idea that corporations have 
always been just focused on money has just been false from the beginning. I mean, we you know we talked to Michael Rechtenwald about this when Gillette was founded. They had a socialist agenda from the very very beginning. Um, so I don't the I think these are things yeah, I didn't I mean, know. Yeah, I actually can you fill us in on that because if you'll remember, Carter, oh, I wasn't yeah. on that call. Well, uh, here's the thing: <laughs> socialism is basically. When you, when you think about the socialist utopias, and let's just go, like, go the full communist route, right? There's central planning, and there's kind of the, someone in charge of, you know, the government in charge of planning everything and running everything. Well, that looks an awful lot like one large corporation, doesn't it? Um, and so if you look at how when, when Gillette was founded, they're, um, they're very explicit. The guy wrote books about this. He believed that the path towards that kind of socialism was through ever-expanding companies who would eventually kind of merge with the government, take over uh, functions, and eventually become one giant corporation that runs everything, which kind of becomes a government. It's the same – it's kind of the same thing. Um, And the idea that – I think one of the things that Hollywood has done a really bad job of is they've painted this trope of capitalists as money grubbers who care about nothing else. And there aren't many people like that in business. Most – I mean I spent 20 years in Silicon Valley with startups – starting my own companies. I've advised hundreds, if not thousands of founders. Almost none of them only care about money. They all have some sort of agenda. A lot of them have what you're talking about, which is I'm going to make the world a better place with one episode of Doctor Who or whatever, you know, ridiculous stuff, but they have some other motivating factor. And we are in a, we're comfortable enough as a society that if you're mildly successful and you've got your bills paid and your kids can go to college and you're, you know, you can take vacations the the accumulated wealth after that really has diminishing value, um, and you might feel much better instead of instead of amassing another ten million bucks. It might just feel better to go woke and get some pats on the back from your woke friends, and you know, get invited to the right cocktail parties in San Francisco. So there are other human desires other than just and- I needed to make as much money as possible. Hmm. Well, and it's like you said, Gary, then they get that what they're getting out of it is that sense of moral and intellectual superiority over the fans. It's like, if only these dumb rube fans would listen to what we're trying to tell them. Right. <laughs> you know, we're here we are importing we're we're imparting that our, our moral, intelligent uh belief system and these people are just too stupid to get it. That's why they're not watching. Exactly. You know? Oh my god, yes. Hit the nail on the head. Uh, uh, Yellow Flash, uh, another great YouTuber out there, says this. Are you good enough to be our audience? That's their whole attitude, you little plebs. <laughs> we are smart. They're going to come along <laughs> eventually. And if they don't, we don't need them as customers anymore. And that's the that's the, that's the the attitude of the BBC. That's uh, the attitude UK. of the Democratic Party <laughs> <laughs> lately. Yeah. It's, 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 and uh, they're, they're finding out now that, oh, crap, we need that money still. Uh, that's why you see Disney doing what they're doing. Uh, whether there's factions or not, I don't know. There's factions in every corporation, to be honest with you. Uh, and But I think Disney's overall goal is to uh, amass as much power and money as possible. But right now they're in kind of survival mode. So maybe they have to you know, give the fans what they want for a little while. But I wouldn't get used to it. Uh, the only thing we can do is just continue to speak up about it. Uh, I mean... And, and, uh, you know, I get asked this every week, you know, why do you do what you do? 
Are you in a fight to win? Uh, I'm like, yes, I always intend on winning. Uh, it doesn't mean I expect to. I'm going to do it every day, and what happens, happens. I'm going to try to temper my expectations. But I just know, I've learned through life, that when I sit back and wait for something to happen or wait for somebody to come in and swoop in and change something, I generally don't like it if it does happen. And most of the time, it doesn't. I, I have found through my life, if I want something to change, I, I have to change it. I have to go out there and do what I can, and at least I tried uh, and I think uh, a lot of us have spoken up and I think we did get a giant corp. Well, we did. It's a fact the fan, the fandom menace got noticed by Disney and then they changed something, whether uh, th that Luke Skywalker moment does not happen. If people don't speak up, we would be well on our way to intersectional feminist, whatever on Disney plus trust me. They, they understand it. Look at the direction Marvel's going in right now. It's going hard into the woke and it's going to, it's going to be ugly when that happens. Uh, and, and they're, and they're going to get the same reaction that everybody else did. And, you know, Marvel went through this with the comics and they're making the same mistake because they refuse to listen because it's an ideology at this point. It's not even a business philosophy. Mm -hmm. It's an ideology that I can't be wrong. If I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. Oh shit. You know? Uh, and you know, we got to keep fighting it. And then, vote with our wallet and yeah there is a time where you got to go you know we tried like with doctor who i cover it but it's dead there mm -hmm. it's not coming back i'm not trying to change it i'm not trying to bring it back and save doctor who there's no saving doctor who right now i'm just venting my anger because i'm pissed because something i loved all my life got just trashed damn 60 years of canon destroyed in two years in two years by some more, well, not a moron, but just by some provocateur, by a provocateur. With a moronic belief system. Yep. Um, so we have a, a couple of questions in chat. I'm going to read these for you. And then I have a, I have a big question for you. Uh, Pirate Tomsky asks, Gary, if you could save one franchise this point forward, what would it be? Oh, I'd be selfish. I'd save Doctor Who. <laughs> but Star Wars is probably the one that can be saved. You think Star Wars has a uh, chance to be saved? Um, it, 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 like, uh, we're talking like 0.00000001% okay. chance non -zero. to be saved. Yes. Non-zero. So. Can you just, I'm sorry to, to, not, to, not. to uh, <laughs> go on a tangent for a moment, but I'm not familiar with at all what's happened to Doctor Who. And I know... Your audience, I'm sure, is, but some of the people in, in chat and watching right now are not from your channel, and so they might be lost like I am. All I know from what I've heard is they switched it to a woman. Okay, that doesn't that sounds, mm -hmm. you know, I guess bad if you know the Doctor Who character, but what was what specifically did they do to ruin the show? Um, changing it into a woman when it's a male character and it doesn't work. And then when you do that, <clears throat> they don't bother writing her like a woman. She's not feminine. She's, she's, she's not a male or female. She's a pod person <laughs> who comes out of the TARDIS <laughs> with her mouth <laughs> open. Yeah. She's just a terrible actress. There was no effort put into it. And I have been against it from the start and I will remain against it. And I, I've been called sexist from the get go. I was like, okay, fine. I'm sexist because I want one fictional character to stay a dude, to stay right. a bloke. And you know what? This, this bloke doesn't have to be white. He could be black, Asian, Filipino. I don't care what he changes into as long as he's a bloke. 
because that's the beauty of the show is there's so much change around it. And it, this 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 show introduced a pansexual character a decade ago that everybody loves. Uh, they, I mean, it's just never yeah. been a problem. The show was co-created by a woman. The the one the 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 theme was reworked by a by a woman in the '60s, in the '60s. So it's been ahead of everything forever. It never needed to do this, and it was just to take something away so a bunch of people can go. I'm drinking fanboy tears. <laughs> uh, if you're the kind of person I... that needs that in your life. How empty is that? How empty is that? That is horrible. Can you explain why? Because I think you and I agreed that uh, I'm trying to remember who it was on your show that agreed. I think it was you that that Battlestar Galactica, the reboot, when they made Starbuck a woman, that that actually worked. And I agree. I like I liked Starbuck. I liked that character of Starbuck. Um, do you, do you share that opinion? And if so, what what's different about these two properties? Why is why was one done well and the other is done poorly? Absolutely, as brought that up in our live stream, heel versus babyface, my good friend. He's on Friday Night Tights. Uh, and thanks again, Carrie, for coming on the show. And we put you through the ringer for a couple. Hey, <laughs> a couple I had Friday to experience <laughs> that locker room talk you talk about. It's awesome, actually. Right? That's one of the things about the, your Friday Night Tide show. I'll get back to the question. But I really like the fact that it's just a bunch of dudes hanging out and talking without fear and giving each other crap once in a while and disagreeing and just having this. It just feels like you're hanging out with friends. And and I really enjoyed watching and then going back and, and binging some of your old episodes because it's like, oh, you can put that on while you're making dinner and just laugh and listen to people cracking each other up and it reminded me of uh, I used to be in a, a, a gun club, a gun school in L.A., and that was my first time trying to get used to the, lock, the the way that guys will insult each other out of love. And like you said, they'll pick on each other, but it's but it's because they love you. If they weren't picking on you, they don't like you. And I was trying to um, get better at it myself, and I bought a little book called Insults and Comebacks. <laughs> <laughs> I could fit in. So I feel like I prepared myself for your show. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're great. No, you're one of us, Carrie. And I, and I say that um, with uh, all respect. Um, <laughs> but no, it worked for Battlestar. It, it worked for Battlestar Galactica. I mean, for one, it was an alternate universe. That does count. So it's it, they weren't remaking the original or, or taking anything from the original. They said, this is a separate universe. This is a reimagining and we're going to do something different. I wasn't crazy about the decision at first. As a matter of fact, I hated it. And I was at the Comic-Con where Edward James almost came out and said, if you were a fan of the old Battlestar Galactica, oh, he opened the freaking con. And people were like, what? Uh, but then I watched it, and it was brilliant. And uh, Katie Sackhoff, like, earned it because Starbuck was a flawed character. She was a hot mess in that in that show. And they didn't use her to pro they didn't prop her up by degrading the men in the show trek they purposely put men in situations to make them look like idiots to prop up their hollow wooden characters because they have no talent ronald d moore who wrote battlestar galactica is one of the most talented writers in hollywood he wrote for star trek before he wanted to do this idea with star trek they wouldn't let him so he did it with battlestar galactica and history was made. Uh, not everybody was happy with the end of that show. I, I liked it, but I understand. But the reason it worked, because A, alternate universe, and B, Katie Sackhoff was a brilliant actress that people, she's just endearing, and people like her. Uh, and she's she's great in interviews. She doesn't 
go out there and pop off and say anything stupid or insult fans. And that's why she's a fan favorite right now. Uh, and, and that's she's all it takes great on a uh, Longmire. I don't know if you've seen Longmire, but yes, yes. I like her on that too. And like what Gina Carano's doing right now, what Gina Carano's doing is she's done more for fandom than uh, anybody I can think of in the last 10 years. She, and, and it was real simple. It was like, I'm going to just talk to everyone and I'm not going to take any crap and I'm just going to try to treat everyone with respect. And she does it with a little, you know, nod and a wink. And she has been the toughest person I've seen in Hollywood. She is, she, they, there's been campaigns by the media, uh, by blue check marks on Twitter to cancel her on a regular basis. We had uh, one woman from sci-fi, Siffy girl, it's sci-fi, but I call it Siffy, Siffy girls. It's uh, from the sci-fi network. They had a, uh, she had her own little blog or whatever. She went through Gina Carano's tweets. She got up one morning and goes, I'm going to see who Gina Carano liked. Apparently, this woman's a mother, too. So I, I don't know what she, she maybe she had a nanny there wow. looking through Gina Carano's to try to get her canceled. And she saw that she wished uh, one of my friends happy birthday. Uh, and she she follows some other people who are on the right. So what? Uh, but she's never gone out and uh, said anything phobic, uh, gone after anybody. But she's accused of that stuff all the time. And she just handles it. And, that, and that's that's great to see. If more people did that from Hollywood, showed a little spine, you know, can- cancel culture wouldn't be this thing today. Uh, but it's again, it's the people who are and it's easy to say, but it's the people who are silent and people who are in a position to do something and could stop this and don't that perpetuate it. Uh, so I think it's great to have these, uh, the, as, uh, the heretics in the world who are out the heretics. there. Yeah. We need the heretics. You know who you guys should talk to if you haven't already. Have you talked to Mark Pellegrino? Have you had him on the show? He played, uh, Jacob on lost and he's Lucifer I'm, on I'm Supernatural trying to, he, is the one you're thinking. Oh about. Yeah, yeah. On Supernatural. So we talked to him recently, and I'm not as familiar with Gina um, Carrero. I've heard you guys talk about her a little bit, but um, Mark Pellegrino, I had no idea. He's super not woke and unafraid, just very unapologetic and and principled and brilliant and a thinking person in Hollywood who's who's not afraid to go against the grain and and definitely has a spine. Um, I would love to see him on your show. So I'm just I'm just putting a little suggestion out there. Um, I have oh, a question yeah. about you. Yeah, I have a question about you. So this is maybe a big question, maybe not. But I, you in telling your story, your paths to where you are today. Um, I'm wondering if you have have done any reflection. Is there what what is it about you that made you able to see wokeness for what it is? We've interviewed a lot of people about this. And, and sometimes it's because they have a family member who came from communism or um, sometimes it's because they were in, they, they weren't able to see it for what it was at first. And they were in the woke cult like I was, and they had an awakening. Um, But other times, I don't know, is there a personality characteristic? Is there something about your past or your path in this world? That's that when you look at this stuff, you don't buy the, the lie that they're telling you that this is all about equality I don't, um, I haven't had anybody, I've always been pretty comfortable in both circles, but it wasn't like SJWs, like the, the liberals I hung, I still hang out with, they're 
very normal people. You know, they're just like uh, they're liberal, but they don't want to burn the system down. They're very happy with America. I think probably my upbringing, well, my lack of upbringing. So, uh, you know, I spent my very young years, I had a very, very troubled teenage life, adolescence. I was a little raging drug addict, punk rocker. So I, you know, I was kicked out of my house at a very early age. So I brought myself up, uh, not in the best way either in my formative years, but, and I ran with some very bad people in bad circles and got in a lot of trouble and survived a lot. And I think it was just my survival skills that helped me see through some bullshit sometimes. It's not, it doesn't always work. Uh, but like I, I, when you're out there, like on the street, uh, when you're, uh, locked up and stuff, uh, a lot of people, uh, are duplicitous. They want to screw you over and you have to have your guard up all the time. Uh, and then, you know, that, that can create another problem too. So it's with recovery, working my way through trust issues, but still being able to see through bullshit. Maybe that's it. Uh, but I, I can kind of recognize bullshit from the start sometimes, not all the time. Uh, you know, I let my guard down and I can get jacked like any other person, but, uh, that's, that's the way I see it. Uh, and it, probably because I've had to work for had, uh, and because, and, and, and gratitude part of that too, is uh, I, I you know, was on the street, had to work for everything I had and I could not have done that anywhere else. I, I that's why I'm grateful for where I am. So when I see people wanting to tear that down, uh, that's, I mean, just anytime I hear that, that, that I don't want to say they're my enemy. I hate to feel that way about it, but there's somebody who wants to take something away. Like this place provides so much opportunity. Uh, it's not perfect at all, but it provides so much opportunity to where a loser like me could get a second, third, fourth, fifth chance. And, you know, I, again, I was on the street and now I have a family. I own a house. These are things I didn't think I was going to live the 30. Mm -hmm. I, I, I just, I thought I was going to die very young and I was on that course and I didn't. So I am very appreciative of this place as imperfect as it is. And what I see in this country, one of its biggest problems is a lack of gratitude, a lot of um, entitlement from a lot of people. And when I see that entitlement and I see it from people who uh, and you want to be empathetic, but there's a point where that stops and you got to stop blaming everybody else for your problems. And you got to go out and freaking work for it. And yeah, there, there's going to be no system that's going to give you everything. And what they're trying to do right now is tear down this, the one system that would, that you could succeed in if you gave yourself half a chance. Uh, but it's very hard when uh, you see the woke provocateurs coming in. And yeah, I, I just, uh, that's a long answer, but I can suss out bullshit because I've seen a lot of bullshit and I've been a bullshitter, been a bullshitter for a long, long time. <laughs> When you're when you're slinging drugs, you bullshit a lot. So I that's that's how I can see it sometimes. I mean, it, it kind of relates to what you were saying earlier, which is that um, we have kind of this cushy lifestyle. Our standard of living is so high as a culture. And I, one thing I've noticed is that most of the most of these woke leaders or the people stirring up most of the trouble seem to actually live pretty pretty cushy lives. Um, mom and dad sent them to school so that they could get a degree in sociology. And now they, 
have a job at Twitter where they're playing around banning people and like their life actually it's pretty freaking easy. Um and they don't really have a connection to reality that look for for most people life is a lot harder than it is for you. And it it almost seems like there's this ideology is a byproduct or at least something necessary to to hold this ideology and to really push it is this kind of detachment from reality and it's a luxury belief system it's like you can afford to believe ridiculousness because at the end of the day you've got a roof over your head and you're pretty well off yeah there's no question there's there. they're, <laughs> they're larping at life they're, yes. they're larping at life i love they have that no connection <laughs> Uh, they, they, there's no, they have no gratitude because they have never earned anything. They have, uh, it, it, it's the entitlement again. So losing everything is no big deal because I didn't have to, I didn't have to work for it. And I, I I'm fine with burning everything down because I'm unhappy. And if I'm unhappy, everybody's got to be unhappy. And I mean, that it, it's a, it's, it's a huge problem in this country right now. And it's because, uh, I mean, parents, uh, I, there's a lot, you know, the latchkey kids, we can go down the line. Now I know there's plenty of people in the chat out there. You've all worked. Uh, you all appreciate what you have and that's why we gravitate towards each other. But yeah, there is a lot of people out there who are ungrateful for what they think. Everything about this country is bad. And I'm not saying everything. I've never said everything about this country is great. It's been built, uh, like, any other country on a lot of blood, uh, a mm-hmm. lot of bone. And that's, that's how countries are built, but we, it doesn't mean you tear everything down and just put another layer of blood and bone down there, uh, which isn't going to solve anything for anybody out there who wants to burn all this shit down. Uh, it won't get better in your lifetime or your kid's lifetime or your grandkids lifetime. So if you're cool with that, okay. Uh, but right now we have a template that works and even though there's something crazy going on today, looked outside my house, people still going to work, even during the insane freaking lockdown here in California. Like, people still are trying to make it. And uh, what's threatening that right now, unfortunately, is our amusements. Our amusements have caused a lot of these problems and have caused a lot of to, like you said, Carter, detach absolutely detached so this is there's no consequences to them whatsoever and what they're doing is breaking the fabric of this country right now and this is going to have long-term effects that are going to last for decades if we don't like really stop this now yeah and i i don't know how i i i honestly don't have an answer for it it also occurs to me that the the amusements that they that this belief system is, has gone after and destroyed are the amusements, like we mentioned before, that it brought us together that are not necess- not de- not destructive, but, you know, amusements like alcohol and drugs, fine. You know, they're perfectly happy with us spending our time and money on alcohol. I'm, I'm you know, during the lockdowns here in Texas, I'm, I'm not sure. I know it's been uh, crazier there in California, but in Texas, you know, things were locked down to a certain degree, then opened back up. Then it was like, well, bars are going to be locked down. And no, we, we've got to keep the liquor stores and bars open. And there's this concession that's made for that kind of bread and circuses, you know, of, of because I think it, it's destructive. Um, they shut down the gyms, but they'll leave the liquor stores open. 
Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I sorry. Can I ahead. can I just uh, I want to interject. You, you, I know this is kind of a direction change, but uh, you mentioned again earlier about gaming being where people are flocking to, and I'm kind of a I'm kind of tangential to both the science fiction and the gaming world. Like I've enjoyed some gaming. I've enjoyed some sci-fi, but I'm not like deep in either world. And all I hear about gaming is things like Gamergate, which I guess is gaming literature more than games themselves. Have games been infiltrated? Are 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 games now all woke, or are are games still normal? I guess. No, they're they've gotten infiltrated, and it depends on the game. Really, it depends on the company. But uh, you know, Last of Us Part Two was probably the wokest thing to come out. I. And gamers, you can correct me if I'm wrong. There might be one worse, but that's the one I noticed. I am not an avid gamer, but I, you know, as somebody who sold comic, I understood that everybody who bought a comic book played a game. They all they all played games, and yeah, Last of Us Part Two was was the worst. What they did was they had a a good first game that was universal loved, and the creator of that game decided to use it at. You know, he, I don't know if he had just one talk or two talks with Anita Sarkeesian and all of a sudden the game is the wokest thing on the planet. They killed the male main character with a golf club in the beginning of the, you know, the white male character with a golf club. And the one who kills him is this very muscular woman named Abby. And, uh, the rest is history if you don't know about it, but so yeah, it's been infiltrated. It's not every single game. Uh, but, uh, there was a whole Gamergate thing that went on that, uh, I, it started as one thing turned into another, it's, uh, but it started out with like collusion in, uh, with the access media and gaming, the gaming media and it, and it, and it, man, it turned into a political movement and it, you know, created people like Milo Yiannopoulos and, and others, uh, and I mean, Sargon of Akkad, I guess, and, and many, many others. And that was a whole thing that kind of led into what we're talking about now. But yeah, it's it's still there. I think gaming is still somewhat sane, but it's it's con- it's more of like it's more sinister. It's its connection to China. All these companies' uh, connection to China and Tencent media changing things. You're seeing woke, and you're also seeing uh, free speech being stifled. Uh, you're seeing games being removed that are critical of the the big country over there, and uh, that's 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 another problem that's going on with gaming, and everything else in entertainment too. Fair. Fair. So it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's it's absolutely everywhere. And like, there's little pockets of coolness, you know, here and there. But I mean, uh, the, uh, the one thing I constantly hear in my chats is like, we just need to do our own thing now. We're kind of yeah. done. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I've been talking to a friend who's who's not a, in entertainment, who's uh, um, you know more in the political sphere, who is saying, and I think this is maybe in the in the consciousness now because I've heard it from more than one person. What you're just saying, which is to make our own things, and he's he he sort of was saying to me, I think that what's going to happen is we're going to see a parallel economy develop because. Um, you know, these companies have, have made it clear. A lot of companies have made it clear. They don't care about half of the population or more. They don't care. They're not interested in marketing to them. 
It's that holier than thou attitude of we are morally and intellectually superior and we don't want you as our customer base. Are you smart enough to be part of our customer base? And so th- that creates a large vacuum and, and an, a huge opportunity for for a parallel economy to develop that unfortunately I think we're going to see if, if, if my friend is right, these sort of political politically aligned, I think it's going to align along this stupid right-left um, dichotomy <laughs> where they're going to be like, I'm a left company, I'm a right company, you know. But um, I uh, I had one thing I wanted to read out, your opinion on it, and then I don't want to keep you too long, but uh, Schmandoff, thank you, Schmandoff, who's been doing a lot of Super Chats, and I'm sorry we haven't been reading all of them. Schmandoff says that many Japanese companies are, are actually against wokeness, and that animators desperately need a union. In what are Japan, your thoughts on that? Or, uh, yeah, well, I'm not a big union guy, but they, I guess they get pretty screwed over in Japan. They do. Uh, but I, I don't know that much about it. And Japan is the last bastion of good storytelling and anti-wokeness through manga and anime, which, I mean, I have a working knowledge of both i'm not nowhere near an expert there are much better people who can make suggestions but as far as the stories are concerned there's a reason that uh manga is just outselling american complexes it's 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 a joke Uh, they're selling millions and millions and millions of copies and uh, an american comic book if it sells forty thousand, it's a hit so yeah, so Japan is is a holdout and yeah, there's see there's there's still good things out there until you know, Hollywood gets a hold of it or big tech or even worse, you know, China. Uh, mm-hmm. And and then it becomes, uh, at least with Chinese entertainment, when they're not like, you know, it's not propaganda. It's just, you know, it's limited. There's certain stories you can't tell. You can't tell ghost stories and stuff. It's it's really bizarre. Uh, okay. But it's cultural, I guess. And uh, it's part of their thing. Uh, but the stuff I love, uh, it, you know, I like scripted entertainment. I like comic books. Mm. These are things I've loved my entire life. Novels, fantasy novels, my favorite, uh, Lord of the Rings, stuff like that. That's, that's the stuff that's next, by the way, that's the one that that's the big prize. The SJWs want so bad as they want Lord, Lord of, of the Rings. Rings. Yes. Lord of the Rings. They want to take Tolkien, the, the devout Catholic, you know, who created a mythology for England and they want, they want to just destroy that and i think it's about to happen with the big expensive amazon show which will be a spectacular failure if they do that uh because it's the most expensive show of all time but uh yeah it's it's but as far as the independent stuff uh i think we are doing it and Mm -hmm. you're right that separate economy is happening already so one of the things that gets brought to me and many others who do what i do on YouTube is like, well, you guys are just talking about it. What are you doing to offer a alternative form of entertainment? And my answer is I'm doing it. This is my alternative form of entertainment. So instead of going and hearing Jimmy Kimmel regurgitate a joke from Stephen Colbert, I'm not saying I'm on their (laughs) level and I don't want to be on their level, but you're coming to one of us to watch a live stream or I'm that's, that's what I'm doing as well. I'm going to your guys's channel mm-hmm. and I'm watching a live stream. It's the first thing I do every morning. I don't go. I, I haven't watched mainstream news in years. I didn't watch it today. Even with the thing that go, I went to YouTube. I went and found a YouTuber uh, talking about this stuff. 
And that's what I do. That's my, that's my entertainment now. And I cover some and there's some shows I like, but the vast majority of my time is watching YouTube videos and live streams. Yeah. That's also why they've, they've uh, come down so hard on YouTubers in the past few years, I think is um, it's not even well, well, part of it is because uh, you know, they're coming cracking down on anything that's not ideologically SJW. But another big part of it that Carter, I think you pointed out to me is simply related to the the fact that it it's a it's a threat in terms of um eyeballs oh, in terms of what people are watching yeah that legacy media has has this hard on for um independent media for for youtubers and because because they have such a they've developed such a large well, audience and you, i mean yeah, look at I was look just at, to say and youtube youtube betrayed their customer base when they decided because youtube was the place for alternate media obviously like that was the place if there was going to be real competition to corporate media it was going to come on youtube and what youtube decided to do was and facebook did a similar thing partner with dying dinosaur legacy media and elevate their content and legitimize their content and suppress competition and so youtube actually i i think betrayed its audience in a major 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 way when it did that because it was the alternate and it sold itself out to the exact enemy that was being fought um and so now youtube and cnn have aligned agendas mm -hmm. yeah it's it's hard for me to even find stuff now that a few years ago you know if you were looking for um Oh gosh, what was it? some of the funny Trump memes? Uh, the uh, uh, I'm blanking, I'm blanking on the name, but there was this funny Trump meme that was going around that that everyone knew the name of it. I was looking for it, and it it went from being the kind of thing that would show up number one in the search to after one of their algorithm switches, after they said we're going to be promoting and prioritizing quote unquote authoritative content, um, you'd have to go to like the 10th page results to find what you're actually looking for now. It's just like a whole score of, do you mean this clip from CNN? Do you mean this from MSNBC? Do you mean this? Even if you have the exact name of the video. And and yeah, that, that to me convinced me. It was like, oh, this is more about just propping up legacy media. It's not necessarily, I, it is ideological as well, but part of it's just, you know, uh, reviving this dynasty. Uh, by the way, I think strategically, uh, I think strategically YouTube is doing it because they do want to kill legacy media eventually. Um, but what they're doing is forcing re legacy media to rely on them and bring them into their, their house mm -hmm. and then they can kill them and take uh. over, which is what they'll do if they're, if they're smart. That's, that's what they're trying to do. And CNN and NBC and Fox, they're all too stupid to recognize any of this. So they're striking deals with YouTube to do this. They're all like, yeah, yeah, we're suppressing Sargon of Akkad so that Fox News can air instead. Um, and they're just looking at the short-term benefits. But in the long term, your, YouTube just plans to eradicate them. Yep. And they'll be able to control yes. all of it. And, you know, in the, in the meantime, they, you know, most of us stay here because they uh, change a rule. So we change how we talk. Uh, and there will be eventually a YouTube speak someday. Uh, and then they throw, you know, they take care of a couple of sacrificial lambs. My, my good friend, Josiah rises, got demonetized and he is, he is a good kid. Uh, he just is, uh, you know, he's on the right. He speaks his mind, but 
the, he doesn't cuss. So he's a good Christian boy. He got demonetized because he brought up some stuff that they didn't want brought up. Uh, there's others that have been just completely deleted. Uh, and what they do is they pluck off a couple of channels to shut everybody up for a little while. And it, and it works. It works. And then we have to readjust how we speak. But we have to figure out a way to stay here as long as we can. Uh, to Because that's how we infiltrate. And then... You know, if we can get more of us and if we're the majority, then it becomes very hard to get rid of us. Uh, of course, for selfish reasons, I don't want to get, you know, and I just talk about pop culture, but I got, you know, put on that. Uh, I won't even mention the site, but there was a site that was labeling channels. Ugh. And, you know, I talked about my California experience and I will continue to do that with Governor Newsom and how my wife's business got shut down and forced me to move, pick up my kids get the hell out of Dodge and, and we're, you know, I'm no Joe Rogan or, or Ben Shapiro. It's going to take me a year to move. No, I thought it was going to uh, take you a year. Uh, hopefully to not to long. $300 billion de- or million dollar deal with Spotify. I was going to oh. be impressed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe a $300 <laughs> deal on Spotify. <laughs> um, but uh, it, no, it's, and, and we're working on doing that, but that put me, that got put me, uh, some label put on me and, you know, I, I've never been that way, uh, th- but I'm considered right wing because I simply say, you're welcome here. You, if you know what, if you're a Trump supporter, I'm not going to criticize you. You can come in and show your support. You know what? Trump supporters like Star Trek too. uh, Republicans like Star Trek too. uh, libertarians, Anarcho-capitalists, they all they like Star Trek. That's what we're talking about here. We just want to be welcome. And if you want to exchange a few ideas in the chat, that's fine. As long as you're respectful, I don't care. Uh, but that, you know, simply talking to the other side now makes you the other side. Then fine, fine. And that's been my attitude is fine. If I'm going to, you know, if you're going to label me some way because I'll talk to somebody, label me however you want. They've been trying to label us forever and they will do it if they, that's fine. And I'll just... If people want to come in and find out for themselves, you know, just listen to what I have to say, find out for yourself. And if you don't like it, then that's cool. That's fine. That's your decision. Uh, but uh, I try not to be anything but me. Uh, and that's how I've handled my politics. I hate having my political scorecard filled out for me. Yeah, it's a lot of extra work, but uh, I like the work and go, you know, go through and voting is a total pain in the ass. It's all over the place with me. But uh, and and sure. Probably a waste of time in California, but I do it anyway. And I think uh, I, the one lesson we've all learned, whatever side you're on, is it's really important. Local elections are very, very important things yes. that I ignored completely yeah. when I, just up until this year. It's just something I never took very seriously. My mind has completely changed on that one. That was my mistake. We'll never make it again, ever. Are you state? You're not. You're leaving California to go to Texas. Is that your plan? Texas, uh, some, okay. Uh, a red state and it's, uh, and people get all kinds of crazy. Like I want to go to a free state. Uh, and most of them are red. Now there would be a couple of blue ones that seem somewhat chill that maybe, but right now it's Texas because the land's cheaper. Uh, you're a little more free and I can go live in the middle of the country, you know, somewhere away. I'm not moving to a city, nowhere near a city. Uh, and just, uh, Gary, I fully support you coming to Texas. I'm I'm the welcoming party. I'm trying to get Carter to come here because there's already so many California people moving here anyway. And a lot of them um, 
are not coming with the right mindset. They're coming with the intention to change Texas. And so while people, I I can't stop the flood of people, I would like to recruit the ones that I want. (laughs) Cool. I'll be there. And I won't vote like a Californian. I promise. I have promised over (laughs) and over again. I, I don't vote like a Californian. I won't vote like a Californian. And I would even agree to not vote at all, <laughs> but you know, I got <laughs> I got to vote against all my fellow Californians. So you might want me to vote. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You that, know, that's that's really important. Cal- California, I think, is going to get even worse because you've got. I think I forget the numbers, but it's something like uh, I want to say something horrible, like fifteen percent of the taxpayers pay for like eighty or ninety percent of the revenue. Some, something ridiculously skewed like that, and. What you're seeing in California is uh, a lot of these people like Elon Musk or people that have massive amounts of money, people running companies, pulling out of California. And the governor's reaction is like, yeah, we'll just we'll just raise taxes on everyone else. And California is already massively in debt. I, I think just like Cali- I, when I was I'm a Gen X also growing up, everyone would say things happen in California first and then. They spread out to the rest of the country. And I think that is true. And the demise will happen in California first. The collapse will first happen in California. And I don't know. I'm starting to feel like we're getting pretty close. But maybe I'm just being overly cynical. It's on its way. I hope. I don't know if we're close. I hope we're not. I'm not. uh, Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I should be a little more worried. I'm not uh, I'm not a I'm not saying you are either. I'm just like I'm not uh, a black oh, pill. I'll, I'll admit to being uh, a little bit. I, black I always think we... I'm I went from red to dark red to like burnt, burnt, dark red. And I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm probably a little bit, black, <laughs> a little bit black, especially after days like today. Right. So I'm trying, it's, it's I'm hard trying to today. Get... Yeah, but yeah. Carter, I'm I'm giving Carter the God pill. It's just <laughs> yeah. taking a while. I'm shoving a libertarian pill <laughs> down her good. throat, and she's trying to shove the God pill down my throat. We'll see how that goes. I yeah. like most of that libertarian stuff, most of it, but not all of it. Some of it's uh, they've been kind of yeah. Crazy the party lately, itself party. is an absolute mess. So, I actually don't like using the word libertarian because it's not what I mean at all. It's just most normies. It's the easiest like go to touch point to to you know. Yeah. I basically what I mean is, leave me the f alone and I'll leave you alone. Like that's what I want. How's that? Yep, that's so. exactly what I want. I <laughs> will not bother you as long as you don't bother me. Identify, do whatever, whatever the hell you want. As long as it makes you happy, just leave me the hell alone. Yeah. Um. And and it's always been my attitude. And now you know, God, you would not believe this the the crap we get. I for uh. So I criticized Doctor Who and somebody took the time to like write up a fake cease and desist letter to me twice. <laughs> twice. <What? laughs> yes. From a, from like a law firm that exists. Somebody filled out a whole fake seek and des- cease and desist to, to threaten to sue me if I criticized the star of Doctor Who some more. I mean, that's <laughs> the craziness that's out there. And it's like uh, I admire the effort, uh, but I'm not <laughs> you know, like, Wow. Uh, that was nuts. Uh, but, you know, that's that's part of what we do. And, it, it, you know, it's something to laugh at, I guess. Yeah, something to laugh at. Well, Gary, thank you so much for coming on and giving us uh, your the benefit of your time and your wisdom and for being so patient with us with our tech problems. Um, for anybody that wants to find you online, they can go to nerdrotic.com. Yep. Is that correct? 
and nerdrotic.com and just nerd, nerdrotic and youtube is fun on youtube and you have a new uh clips channel that's called neurotic daily is yes. that right which yes. is really funny i love what you guys are doing on that channel so that everybody is, check that one out too yeah perry chan does uh the editing on that channel he is uh he is a master at what he does so yeah they're really well yeah, he's been doing a good they're, job they're good stuff and they're funny so um, yeah um, we are working on, I just want to tell you before you go, I, you were, I never heard of the Koof before I came on your show. I've learned so many things. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I was thinking since it's the twenties, we need a new revamped version of an, of a twenties glossary. Cause you know, they had all these. And so I was looking at an old 1920s glossary and I'm going to give you a few more words you can use now that are from the twenties. Um, if you want to talk about money, you can call it cabbage. If YouTube oh, yeah. is demonetizing you they're taking your cabbage away and then we came up with our own for uh you're not allowed to talk about election fraud or any i guess presumably even any lawsuits pending about potential election fraud so we're going to call that the big show uh and i'll I'll send you the rest (laughs) please send me yeah and i'll pass that around okay so we can uh, get our new new terms Cabbage. I, mean, I like cabbage. Yeah, cabbage is a cabbage. good one. Yeah. Carrie's excellent at speaking yeah. 1920s if you ever want to have a conversation with her. And <laughs> I, I can't carry on a conversation because she's just, it's like <laughs> another language, but she's very, very good at it. So, hey, hey Mac. <laughs> yeah. It's a, a silver lining of the what's going of the new kind of prohibition, the prohibition against yes. free speech. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So, well, thank you again, Gary. Um, really, well, really appreciate your time. And for uh, me on. I would love to have you back at some point, but, um, you sure. know, thank you so much for your patience and, and your your thoughts. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy. So go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com slash donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Any association with these individuals will result in placement on the naughty list and a lump of coal. Here's a fun fact. Failing to leave cookies for Santa Claus is now considered a form of fat shaming. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Did you know that distributing presents using a magical sled is unlawful without a valid license and may be subject to taxation? Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news.
please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.